Blog Talk Radio. There's an unwritten code in Hamilton. If you live by it, chances are you've replaced the last beer in a cooler. You don't talk during the national anthem. You believe that great things can come from a little room above a fruit stand. You know Mac is a university, not a computer. Your child's first words were Oski Wee Wee. You know a red hat looks good with black and gold and understand that double blue only looks good on the police. You believe hot water isn't a necessity for the visitor's dressing room. You've hit every green light on Main Street twice. You believe there's a little general in all of us. You only wear your good hard hat to games. You know King Kong was more than an ape. He was a five-time all-star. You've parked on somebody's lawn to catch a kickoff. You know that Porter is a quarterback, not a bellhop. You've worn a kilt to a football game. You understand that every once in a while you have to be the center. You believe a football team can outlast 22 prime ministers, two world wars, a Great Depression, and still give birth to a pearl. You've worn a garbage bag as a raincoat. You've never seen a fair catch. You pick a concession line not based on how long the line is, but how hot that cashier looks. You understand that Labor Day is more than an extra day off. And no matter what happens on the field, your season is a success if you beat the Argos. All right, here we are. Um, Okay, so uh, it begins. Uh, I just decided the last second to try to do it Facebook Live style. All right. Um, Yeah, you know know what you're watching, right? Do I have to tell you? Oh, it's backwards. Hang on. There we go. That's what we're talking about. Okay, so, oh, man, I'm so tired. I've been cutting grass. The kind that grows on the backyard and the front yard that doesn't need a license, that kind of stuff. The real thing. Uh, the lawn. Helping a friend cut uh, her lawn, uh, cut our lawn. And uh, well, we're talking and, uh, around uh, 60 feet by 300 feet. And then there was just a little lawn with the grass was like 18 inches high at least. Unbelievable. How do people let grass grow that long? Hmm? How does that happen? Well, it does happen. Now, um, well, the Argos have uh, real grass on their field. Awesome, awesome stuff uh, to play on. It's been new and improved. The team, on the other hand, not so new and improved. So, as you noticed, uh, we played uh, we played something for the Hamilton Ticat fans. They deserve it. 1999 is a, is a century ago, and this looks like a team. Yeah, shirtless. Sorry about that, Taylor. It wasn't intended. I just realized that I, I came in here to change. It was all sweaty. Like I said, I did, I did the lawn, and I forgot all about uh, the fact that uh, I didn't have a shirt on. Uh, then I saw it on the video, and that's why I zoomed in. Okay, so uh, Mike will join us shortly. Um, Zach Medeiros. And for those of you who don't know who Zach Medeiros is, Zach is the kicker for the Toronto Argonauts. And every so often he's, uh, uh, what's up as we're talking CFL football, Mr. Emery. Happy belated birthday, buddy. How old are you now? 72? 82? 
96. No? Okay. So, anyway, um, being an Argo fan is pretty tough right now. I mean, the last two games can only be described as uh, a man I know named Harris. Ty Cat fan, living in Toronto. Jared. They poo-pooed the bed twice. They really did poo-poo the bed twice. Someone get a poo-poo baggie because the Argos are playing like poop. Yes, they are. Um, Mind you, it's only game two. Mind you, the week before, I said it's only game one. Uh, And I got a... Oh, okay, add some spice to the show. Okay. Thank you, I appreciate it. Hey, Kim. Um, So... It's not a it's not a pleasant thing being an Argo fan right now, but you know, uh, the fact is, the truth is, it's obviously uh, something that we all have to get used to, and that is our teams are going to lose from time to time. So what you hope is that they have a good game once in a while, and things work out well, and you get a chance uh, to enjoy uh, the way a team plays. Okay. 519, hmm, who could this be? We've got someone on the phone. We've got someone that's going to be a prankster, or is it going to be a real live CFL fan? Heidi Ho there, neighbor. Heidi Ho. What's going on? Nothing much. Who am I talking to? Oh, Zach, come on. You know my number, Frank. You know it's a London area code. Don't don't do me like that. No, but hang on a second. You said you weren't coming on till 10. So I said I'll be on in 10, like 10 minutes. Oh, in 10. Sorry about that. And I, I should have clarified that. It's like, you know what it's like. I guess, you know, I know how, now I know how you felt in the game. Do you know the moment I'm referring yeah. to? <laughs> when the ball doesn't go Maybe. where it's supposed to? Nice recovery, by the way. Yeah, you know what? Every so often, well, I should say every so often, it's pretty rare that, you know, a player drops the ball, but it, it happens from time to time. Um, yeah, I mean, didn't really have much of a choice there and just had to get it off as, you know, as soon as I could after that, so. Well, you, you did great. I mean, you didn't, lo- you know, you didn't lose much distance. You should do that more often. I mean, I think the kick looked pretty good. Not bad, but the thing, you know what? We uh, we have set schemes in the location where, where the ball needs to be, from right to left, or if we're going cross field. And on that punt uh, specifically, it, it you know happened to go to the other side of the field, so I didn't uh, you know do my job in that part. You know, I I guess I avoided you know making a you know a completely horrible play into somewhat of a positive by getting the ball downfield. But you know, we just have to correct that again and make make sure it doesn't happen. Do we blame it on Spazzy? Do we blame it on Spazzy? No, we we, no, we don't blame it on Spazzy. We don't blame it on Spazzy. No, Spazzy. We do not. Spazzy. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no. You know what? No, we don't. Yeah, we don't. We. Uh, don't. And, and and you know I'm kidding, right? <laughs> and, I, and Spazzy, I don't. Oh, yeah, I don't want to go. I, I don't want to go to the game and have Spazzy. Well, heck, go all Spazzy all over me. Um, that wouldn't be cool at all. That would, that would be horrible. Um, but still, uh, all kidding aside, uh, it, you know, I, I appreciate you, you calling, especially considering the team isn't playing very well right now. Tell us from a, a professional football player's perspective, a professional athlete's perspective, how does one ignore these, 
this kind of run and and what do you guys do and what do the sports psychologists tell you because we know they're around uh what are some of the go-to moves to try to nip this in the bud if you will well I, you know what if you're an argos fan and if you you watch us during training camp i think it's you know we you know with with our whole team we are able to show what we we, we can do you know we we know the talent we have in this locker room. Um, you know, we showed against Hamilton when we beat them, and same thing against Montreal. I'm sure, yes, I, I, I get it. You're not playing the stars for the entire game, but when our ones, we're up against their ones, and, you know, whatever the case is, we, were, we, we matched up well, and we, and we got the job done then. And you know what? And for whatever reason, these past two weeks haven't gone our way, but you know what? The, the confidence hasn't wavered. You know, we're, we're still focused. We're – you know, we we know what it is right now. We're own two, and we, we you know, and we're gonna own it. We're we're going up against a team this week in BC. That's that's own three. That's a very talented opponent as well. And they're obviously looking for their first win because you know, own three the West. You know, they that's not a safe spot to be in. And same thing for us too in the East. It's still very very tough and competitive. So, you know what? It's it's not really we're 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 not panicking in the locker room. You know, to answer your question right now. Um, you know, I, I don't, at least I don't get that sense really. You know, everyone's pretty, pretty confident what they have to do. It's just, you know, I feel like it's one of those things we just need to get the first one out of the way, and I think the ship will get rolling. Yeah, and, and you know, it's all about, you know, um, people have to also understand, and not, well, you know what, I, you know how I feel about you guys. Uh, I love the Argos, I love the CFL, and so I'm a little biased, and I'll be the first to admit it. And And my bias says, uh, that this is an, a new uh, leadership for the Toronto Argos. There are quite a few new players. Yes, some of them have come back from previous stints with the Argos. But the fact remains, there is always hope uh, that a team can find their mojo. Uh, and it's tough. Um, you know, we're talking about the teams that you're playing. You know, your record doesn't always in, it isn't always indicated like O and two is reflective of who you played as well as how you're playing. Right. Right. Which means, right. And um, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, I was going to say, you know why I'm not, you know, every, I'm, I'm a firm believer that any team in the, in the CFL can be anyone. I think that's what makes this league great. Um, is that pretty much, you know, going into any year, I feel like, it's it's really a toss-up. I mean, there's all, yes, there's going to be favorites, but I think most teams in the league, if not all of them, always have a chance to win a great cup every year. I think that's what makes our game so unique and, and fun to watch overall. And right now, the, the teams that, we, that we, we've, we've lost to in Hamilton, sure, yes, it's not the results we wanted, and they, they've been a bit lopsided, but Hamilton look, look, looks very good right now. And same thing with uh, Saskatchewan. I, and I know they're one and two, but the uh, posts they, they lost to in Ottawa and and Hamilton, though, those are both tight games. It just goes to show how strong this league is and how, how strong the opponent is, right? And, again, you know what? We know what the situation is, and we have to get things cleaned up for sure because, you know, we, we have, again, BC coming in. Um, but, I'm, you know what? And, Frank, you know this. You, you know the, the talent we have. You, you watch us day in, day out in our practices, going back to training camp, and now, you know, preseason leading up to the season. The pieces are there, right? It's just everything coming together at the right time. And once that happens, it's – we're, we're going to be a team to, to look out for, I think. 
He's Zach Medeiros. He is the he was the punter this weekend in in Regina. And for those of you that may have watched the game, he's the punter that juggled the ball and then the ball miraculously was kicked downfield a pretty fair distance. But as he admitted, he said he didn't do the coffin corner as as originally planned. But I'll tell you, getting it off is fine. Um, you know, uh, the, the thing about the th- the thing about sports and especially professional sports there is no mercy how hard is it when you see that train barreling down the track and you can't hop on to slow it down you can't do anything um it must be a real you know helpless feeling especially something that many talked about you know in the first game against hamilton and i suppose with saskatchewan as well you don't suffer those kinds of defeats very often they're they're quite enlightening i guess yeah, you know, I, I can't really speak. You know, I, I wasn't there, but obviously just being a part of the team from training camp, and in a way, I, I you know, I, I did feel it because, you know, I, I loved that locker room and the guys in there. So when I came back, obviously, it, it stung me too. And, you know, for sure, it's disheartening losing by that score. I mean, you never want to lose by 50 points in the game, right? But at the same time, just one of those days, and you have to take it, you know, we all get get paid to play the sport and move on and have a short-term memory. That's, that's kind of what we sign up for. It's, you know why it's not – we're obviously all great on our on our wins going forward, and, that, and that's what keeps our jobs ultimately. But at the same time, you know, in the face of adversity, I think it's important that, that we, we face this now because, you know, it's a it's a 22-week year, you know. Not everything's going to go your way. You're, you're not going to win – you know, you're not going to win all 18 games in a year, right? Yeah, you have to go through some adversity and learn from it and move forward. Okay. Well, okay, listen, for the folks that are watching on Facebook Live, there's a, um, I'll be providing a link. I, I, I'm running a little behind. And then because I decided to do this Facebook Live thing, it means also that I didn't get a chance to do some other stuff I need to do. But that'll have to do with Facebook Live. We'll go off Facebook Live, folks. Thanks for uh, watching and, and joining us. I really appreciate that. Uh, also, my phone is about to die, so I have to get off the phone That's- for now. All right, so um, let's take uh, a short uh, break. Um, no, I won't do that. I was going to play something, but I, I think I'd rather do something <laughs> else. Um, uh, here, okay, here, here's, one, here's one I like. We'll be back right after this. Have we got a summer for you. Hi, I'm Brian Williams for CBC Sports. We've got the CFL in action. Play after play, game after game, week after week, all leading to the Grey Cup. It's the excitement of the Canadian Football League. Get into the action with a CFL on CBC Sports. Did you know in Canada we have no fair catch rule? No fair catch? No fair catch. Holy mackerel. <laughs> Hopefully there's aspirin on the side with the medics. Somebody's going to get hurt. (laughs) (laughs) No fair catch? Injuries? I see some pain. Ah, that could be kind of dangerous. I believe somebody would get killed like that. (laughs) You guys like it violent up there, huh? (laughs) CFL. We play by our own rules. Why do you think it takes you guys four downs to get 10 yards? We only need three up there. Because we always make mistakes. Oh, we're just kind of slow, you know, laid back. Got to get an extra down in before we can get our 10 yards. Yeah, they give us one just in case. I love four downs. Uh, First down, second down, third down, you know, fourth down. They're saying you're better than us. They want the game to go slower, I guess, for the commercials. 
Y'all are obviously better. Must be the long winters, maybe? They have longer legs. Are they faster? <laughs> Is there, you know, better gene pool? In the CFL, the play clock is 20 seconds rather than 40. 20 second play clock. Quicker, quicker tempo. Well, they better be a lot smarter men on the field then. Yeah, man, the respiratory system needs to be in good shape. That's pretty quick. That doesn't sound very fair. It doesn't give them enough time. They barely have time to do it here. God forbid there's a different defense. Oh, boy, that's fast. I mean, you got to get yeah. it done. I'll say 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> I get them an extra 10 seconds. <laughs> 20 seconds, you know. That, would, seconds. that would keep things moving and moving. grooving. You know, in the Canadian Football League, we have 12 guys instead of 11. What do you think? An extra man out there? Of course. They all look good in their pants. <laughs> Ooh. Can I take him home? I think you can ha never have too many men in tight pants on a football field. And we have unlimited motion in our backfield. Wow. Wow. You know? <laughs> a whole new realm of possibilities, huh? And, and they're ready to go again in 20 seconds. Where is this again? That's interesting. I may have to rest up a little. <laughs> CFL, i got to watch it. Go and Canada. You're listening to Candid Frank Live, streaming on Rouge Radio. We're the Argos cheerleaders. Oh, we lost uh, Zach. Uh, I hope it was not who anything that I did. I don't think so. So, Zach, you got the number. If you're still out there and you want to come back in, please do. Uh, waiting for uh, Mike Townsend. And I guess I'll just start the show by myself. And that's okay because I do understand the game. I have watched it from time to time. So I have a general idea of what's going on on the field. And I will start by saying this. How about those Hamilton Tiger Cats? Wow. You know, they, uh, Montreal hung in there really well. And, and I was actually, you know, impressed with how well Montreal hung in there. Uh, the other thing is, the best game of the weekend uh, had to be, of week three, had to be the game between Edmonton and Winnipeg. And it was the the first game on Thursday, Thursday night football. And uh, it was uh, a kind of game, uh, for those of you that, that didn't notice, they've changed the name of the football field. It's now IG Field. Okay. They, they don't want to say Investors Group Field anymore. That's cool. I'm okay with it. So at IG Field, the most amazing player, you know, that we've seen in a while that uh, has the kind of game that Lucky Whitehead, Lucky Whitehead, number seven, Lucky Whitehead. Good Lord, can that guy play? Did you see him and the speed that he made? You know, there have been a few players. Uh, I'll, I'll, okay, Brandon Banks comes to mind. James Wilder, the first year he played for the Argos. Not since. Hasn't been as impressive the last two years. And, and there are a lot of players that we've seen offensively that, that have lit it up right away. The question is, though, will he follow up like Brandon Banks? Or, you know, will this be, you know, something that'll, that won't work so well? For him down the road, but I got to tell you, the guy's got talent. And in watching this game, this uh, Edmonton-Winnipeg game, I think we all, all, knew that this was going to be a good game. Trevor Harris threw for 345 yards, 64.8 percent, and this is the stat that 
that amazes me. No TDs and no interceptions, both those stats, which basically is saying they got back in that game, but they just couldn't find the red zone. And the reason they couldn't find the red zone is that big blue marble out there, the big blue. They were amazing. You know, they've had a team for the past, I'm going to say, three, four years whose defense has been outstanding. They live the takeaway game. Mind you, they're not having much success right now in taking away the ball, but they definitely are taking away the end zone. And how are they doing it? It's their coach. It it, it comes down from him. They play like him. They don't give an inch. They make a mistake, and then all of a sudden it's like, that never happened. Now we're going to work even harder. Yep, Uh, they have been outstanding. C.J. Gable, uh, after leaving Hamilton, and we saw why he left Hamilton, but C.J. Gable has been outstanding in Edmonton. 17 carries for 82 yards. Not often do you see a running back run for 100 yards today. Proof in the pudding? Nick Dembski ran three times for 49 yards. Andrew Harris ran 10 times for 34 yards. That's not what you expect from an Andrew Harris. But as always, even going back to BC, sometimes for some reason coaches don't give the ball to Andrew Harris. And, and 10 carries for him in one game is not enough for him to establish himself. But the fact remains, in establishing himself, he has to, he has to have opportunity. And his offense has to have opportunity. Matt Nichols, once again, 13 of 21, threw for 61.9%, 200 yards. Yeah, so-so game, right? Throws for 200 yards. But he throws three touchdowns. And, of course, an interception. But but still, he throws three touchdowns. Now, (laughs) the touchdowns were also had a lot to do with the fleet of foot, a lucky whitehead in particular, uh, making the offense go. But, you know, some people might say, okay, you know, one guy carrying the team. It doesn't matter whether it's one guy or all the team. It's the game plan. And Edmonton's game plan defensively was awesome against Winnipeg. This was a game that Winnipeg had Edmonton by the throat. And for whatever reason, for whatever reason, Edmonton keep kept getting opportunities to tie the game in the last minute, two minutes of the game, after the three-minute warning, by the way. Two and out twice by Winnipeg. Yes, it was a a two-score game, ten points. Once again, Edmonton goes for the three first and hopes for the touchdown at the end of the game. Um, The opportunities were outstanding. I mean, Lucky Whitehead... Seven receptions for 155 yards. Seven receptions for 155 yards. 100 of which were yak yards. Yards after the catch. 
That's the statistic that describes this guy to a T. Catches the ball, can't be caught. Catches the ball, can't be caught. We'll see how, you know, prepared future opponents are and future defensive groups. Uh, and, you know, they handle a guy like that. It's going to be interesting. Harris didn't have much luck running the ball, we said. Ten carries for 34 yards. Two, two receptions for 17 yards. Lucky Whitehead, led by far the rest of the team. Kenny Stafford for the Edmonton Eskimos was eight receptions for 108 yards. Ricky Collins, eight for 107. Greg Ellingson, seven for 73. How does this, how does this make or break Edmonton? That's the question. How does a game like this make or break Edmonton? Well, penalties are still a problem for Edmonton. But you know what I like the most about Edmonton, and this is something that carries over from last year. We're seeing a head coach, Jason Moss, who's maturing. The kind of the way this game went and the way the last game last week went, Jason might have been, you know, furious. Let's be blunt. Maybe furious. But I think he's, he's matured a little bit. I think he's begun to understand that maybe he should be the sanest one on the sideline, that he should be the one calmest and ensuring that the guys on the sideline, the players, the ballers, end up being chill, not dispassionate about playing, not excited about getting on the field, not about intense, just about not being derailed when things don't go right. We always hear players talking about when you lose, don't go too far down. When you win, don't go too far up. And that's where Jason Moss has learned something. I'm really proud of the job that he's done this year. If these two games are an indication of how he'll go through the other 16 and maybe even the playoffs, it will help this Edmonton team to have success. There's a lot of drive on this team. Anyone who knows Trevor Harris knows that Trevor Harris has a will to win, and he's very passionate about winning. Trevor, Trevor was 35 of 54, 64.8 percentage of reception, 345 yards. I know I said it before, but I have to say it again. Still, it's about production. Trevor, even in, in – and sorry, in, in – in Ottawa, turned up a lot of yards, but had difficulty in that red zone. Now, is it a problem? Well, of course it is. If you can't get in the end zone, it's a major problem because you need majors. You can't. You can't get. What was it? What was how many? How many field goals did he get? Was it seven? Yes, he had seven field goals. I'm referring to Sean White on seven attempts. That's 21 points. But that's going down the field, getting within range of a field goal and not getting a touchdown either of those seven visits downfield. So it's important uh, that this Edmonton team learns to score when it matters. Now, can't show disrespect for Winnipeg. As I said at the top, this is a, this is a, a defensive team that bends. 
but does not break very often. And they are a counterpunch team. That is where their quarterback, their quarterback is not a quarterback that churns numbers. He has not, Matt Nichols has not been a quarterback who gets a lot of yards. So he won't get much consideration, for example, for the MOP, even though what he offers to the team is no mistakes. But he did make one, three TDs, one interception. That's what Matt Nichols needs to do. His touchdown-to-interception ratio has to be positive because he doesn't, for the most part, that's not his thing. Touchdowns are not his thing. Another, another thing to note is Darwin, Darwin Adams, not a reception, no yards. How does that work? He's a guy that's got to produce for Winnipeg, and, and they won anyway. Um, you know, you expect uh, guys like Brandon Alexander to come up defensively, and, you know, Chandler Fenner. These guys, are, these guys are, are all over the field, always prepared to nail the, the offensive players on the other team. We also, we also have opportunities uh, to watch players give us everything they have and it's 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 funny because when when I talk to a lot of fans and 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 look in their faces and and after games whether it's you know against Hamilton they kick Toronto's behind the excitement that they have fans as well tend to get a little too high or a little too low and that's something that they they can't worry about too much. So Edmonton almost pull out a victory against Winnipeg in Winnipeg. These were the two teams that were undefeated. Edmonton now finds itself defeated just once, and Winnipeg uh, has not has won uh, out this season. Now, let's also remember for you uh, fans who, who are running crazy now going how powerful Winnipeg is, don't forget, this game was played in Winnipeg. That's a bit of an advantage that cannot be ignored. But for me, the highlight of this game was the fact that the Edmonton team did not give up. The Winnipeg team did not cough up the major points that they could have. But still, these are two teams to be reckoned with. Right now, they're my two favorites in the West. Having said that, having said that, they're my two favorites at this point. But you know what? There's a couple other teams that you can't ignore. And I got to say, I got to say, <laughs> in the second game, Eastern Division Clash, we'll move on to the West a little later, Hamilton, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, the fans are excited as all get out. And they should be. This team is playing the way they're playing without Luke Tasker. Now, to me, over the past four or five years, Brandon Banks, Luke Tasker have been the bookends of, uh, of the Hamilton Tiger Cats as far as winning games is concerned. They're the two players goes without saying the quarterback Mazzoli of course and as a group the defense 
But those are the two guys that offensively have carried this team. They're doing this without Luke Tasker. They beat Montreal the way they did without Luke Tasker. And Tasker got hurt uh, in the middle of the Argo game. So they played with him without him for the part of that game as well. And this is the part that amazes me the most is how good are they going to be when Luke Tasker is healthy and back on the field? Yikes. Well, there is the other thing that happens, and that is that when uh, a player goes out, other players get a chance to impress. And I'll tell you, those Hamilton Tiger Cats, as a team, have impressed. Uh, You can't, you can't, you can't ignore how well they're playing. You know, before uh, Zach left us, I was trying to refer to the fact that you know, sometimes early in the season, your schedule's really tough. And, you know, for Montreal, the schedule's tough as it is for Toronto because they're teams that need to establish themselves. So when they're playing teams like Hamilton, who are in a groove, and when you look back and you go, okay, they, they lost to Hamilton. But then it becomes something that you say to yourself, it's not shameful. It's a pretty darn good team. Jeremiah Mazzoli was 25 of 31. 80.6 passing percentage, 417 yards. And here's the thing. Through one touchdown and three interceptions. Um, that's got to be a little scary. Uh, you know, in the film room, uh, the, the good news is that no matter how badly that, that it seems that he threw, no matter how many times he was intercepted, the team won. So it buys you time to sort of sort things out. But when you have such a dynamic offense uh, like the Hamilton Tiger Cats, you can really be on the nice edge because there could be some cockiness that goes there when everything's going right. The good news, the good news for Hamilton fans is that that cockiness uh, wasn't punishable. You know, three interceptions in a game can make a difference in the game. Montreal in the first quarter hung in there. They were going toe-to-toe with Montreal. One of the guys that continues to impress is William Stanback. This guy is amazing. Uh, and then you know that Vernon Adams is going to be able to, to run a few plays out. You know, he can roll and he can pass at the same time. I, I couldn't believe, really, what, what I couldn't believe in this game was how well the Montreal defense did play for a time. The interceptions, um, unfortunately, when you're on the field for a very long time and you're chasing players, which defenders have to do, you can get tired. And I think basically, you know, defenses can wear down the offense, but offense can wear down the defense as well. And I think this was a case of the Hamilton offense wore out uh, the Montreal defense. You know, the scoring, it was 0-0 after the first quarter. Hamilton was ahead 15 to three after the second. So then from there, you know, it, and they were, you know, Hamilton got the 15 points in the fourth quarter and didn't allow any. When you add that all up, it ends up with a 41 to 10 score, not as embarrassing as the one against the Argos, not as successful as the one against the Argos, but this is a team whose offense can go places. I, I'll tell you, I've always liked Mazzoli. If you follow this show, you know that I felt Mazzoli was the guy, even when that other guy came, 
that didn't last long. Manziel. I still thought that Mazzoli was the guy. And I had, when when Zach left Hamilton, anybody who follows the show knows that I thought Mazzoli could be a really good number one quarterback. He reminds me of, of um, a guy like Durant, you know, lower body, big lower body, hard to bring down, strong feet, strong legs, and those strong feet and strong legs generate a lot of power through his body into his arms and his hand. And when he throws the ball, he throws with authority. I really, I, I really like what he did in this game and what he's done for the past couple of years. But one has to be concerned with those interceptions. That is something that needs to be changed. In this game, against teams like Montreal and Toronto, as it turns out, they don't appear to be that challenging if, if one goes by how Toronto's played outside of, of Hamilton and how Montreal has played outside of Hamilton. I think we can pretty much, uh, you know, assume that tougher games are coming for, for Hamilton. But don't be surprised if they're not. B.J. Cunningham, eight receptions for 93 yards. Each and every year, this guy is a key contributor to the Montreal Alouettes. He is their guy that leads them emotionally on the field. And he's a guy who's been, you know, since S.J. Green left, the guy that they expected to take over from S.J. Green. And and he has done that with the help of William Stanbeck. Now, Devere Posey, two receptions for 32 yards. Are you concerned if you're a Montreal fan with, with the way Devere doesn't look as effective as he has elsewhere. Well, there's going to be a couple of reasons for that. Devere Posey is being planned for. He's being aware of defenses and aware of the way defenses are paying attention to him. Devere Posey will eventually break out but as does happen each and every time with a set of receivers, there has to be multiple options that concern the opposition. Example, B.J. Cunningham, eight receptions for 93 yards. William Stanback, five receptions for 37 yards. Devere Posey, two receptions for 32 yards. Ryder Stone, two receptions for 30 yards. The four top receivers that day. The three top receivers in Hamilton, Brandon Banks, seven for 152 yards. Braylon Addison, eight for 121 yards. Thomas Erlington, sorry, Sean Thomas Erlington, five receptions for 102 yards. This guy, Erlington, learned to be a receiver because he wasn't getting the chance as a running back. They used him as a slot back. So his receive, receiving stats are not a surprise. Now that he's been given a, ch- a chance to, to handle the ball, nine carries, 47 yards, not a really great statistic. But when you marry it to the five receptions for 102 yards, his flexibility, like in Brandon Banks, and every so often the Ticats, have Brandon come out of the backfield, Brandon Banks I'm referring to. And you know, 
it keeps the other teams a little off step. And that and, and that's what makes Brandon Banks so special is that the diversity of this guy and it seems to me that his diversity is being copied with Erlington. Same thing. The predictability of that offense, you know, we, we have seen a, a Hamilton team that under Austin was sputtering. Uh, the quarterback was Caleros. There were unhappy moments from the quarterback to the sideline. And now, you know, it has become a situation where this team is just rolling. Good news for the rest of the league is, well, if they roll too hard, too good, too long, they might run out of gas going down the field. That's kind of a hopeful thing for other fans and other teams, right? Right, Hamilton fans? I'll ski wee-wee to you boys and girls. Um, We have, um, you know, a Montreal team here that, we all know, repeat it every week if we have to, coach, giving the reins to the team, the midnight hour. This team last year played better and better each game, each game out. They really did come on strong at the end. It's quite possible, and I do believe that that will be the case with this Montreal team. They will be playing better and better every week, and they will be in the hunt for that number three playoff spot but they can't say they'll get it if they don't make a move now, which is true for the Argos. Both Ottawa and Hamilton are out of the gate. They may lock up those first two playoff spots. And right now, the third one in the East may go again to a Western team. In fact, the odds are very high that that's the case with each impending loss by the Argos and, of course, the Montreal Alouettes. In uh, our third game, it featured the British Columbia Lions going into Calgary. And if you're a Calgary fan, if you're a Calgary fan, and your number one quarterback, Bo Levi Mitchell, goes down. Are you concerned? Thinking about that. Before that game started, Bo Levi Mitchell goes down. In fact, since he probably won't start the next game, it's not a shoulder issue. It's an arm issue, which is, which is a lot better than having a shoulder problem as a quarterback. Mike Riley was 36 of 42, 85.7%, 354 yards, two TDs, no interception. Uh, He did what what he needed to do. But what happened in this game, Bo Levi Mitchell, until his injury, was 23 of 34, 67.6%, 252 yards, two TDs, one interception. Then when he got hurt, Nick Arbuckle came in. Nick was 9 for 9. Simple math there, right? 100%. 93 yards, 1 TD, no interceptions. And he did what a quarterback, in my mind, what makes the quarterback the best. And it, you know, the Hall of Famer that retired this year, the ex-Argo, Ricky Ray, um, proved it over and over again. Lots of 
high percentage in passes, but not necessarily have to have a lot of yards to win. The real key component to a good quarterback in the Canadian Football League, and a good quarterback anywhere, is to have ball security, to protect the football, to not make passes that end up in the hands of the other team. Nick Arbuckle threw nine passes, and every one of them hit a receiver, was caught, and for 93 yards, not much, nine receptions. One TD, no interceptions. That's the key. And, and you know, what, what, what Arbuckle... <laughs> Is this going to be another Calgary player who's ready to to play well and to be important? Uh, Arbuckle has done nothing but show people that he has the ability to be a CFL quarterback, a good one, each time he's come in. And I'm talking about even during the regular season when it's unfair that, you know, when there's a blowout and Calgary's doing a number and they decide to trot out Arbuckle. Um, you know, garbage time is what people refer to. Now, the... The running game is something that is becoming less and less important. And, in, for example, B.C., John White ran for 64 yards. Don Jackson ran for 26 on eight carries. They still won the game. But they need we need to see our running backs churn up some yards. It's what helps the quarterback with a little more time under center and a little more time for the receivers to make some moves and some plays if there's some fear that a running game is actually available to a team. Big receivers in this game, uh, Brian Burnham, as usual, 10 for 94 yards, John White, 9 for 87, coming out of the backfield, 5 for 83 for Lamar Durant. Uh, Duran Carter was 7 for 44. Uh, look at Look at Calgary. Marquise Ambles, 9 for 108 yards. Eric Rogers, 9 for 100. You expect that from him. Richard Sidani, 3 for 53. You know, where was Begleton? Breskison, not a reception. This is a guy, highlight reel Breskison, not a catch. So, you know, is it because he's lost the ability to catch? No, folks, it's the BC defense. The BC defense gave their team a chance to win. Unfortunately, as usual, penalties can hurt, especially at certain times, and they did hurt BC. And uh, Mike Riley, talk a little bit later about Mike having some issues, um, mental challenges, you know, um, I know about those. We'll talk about those after we talk about the games and before we talk about the upcoming games. Um, it, it's something, it's something to behold. I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I am so marveled at, at how Calgary repeatedly over and over again does what they do. And that is bring another guy in fits in seamlessly. So our buckle deserves a lot of credit for being in this game home because they weren't they weren't on the winning side of the equation when Bo Levi Mitchell went down. Defense, defense, defense. It wins you games. And an offense that doesn't make mistakes doesn't hurt either. 
You're listening to CFL Talk, Candid, Frank, and Live. I'm Candid Frank. Apparently going alone tonight. Can I handle it? I sure hope so, because if I can't, I don't know what I'm going to do. And our final game of last week is the game on Canada Day. It featured the Toronto Argonauts visiting Saskatchewan Rough Riders. It featured a rain delay. I don't know what it is about the Argos. I've been on the road with them to Hamilton, and we've had a few real doozies of weather conditions there. This week in Hamilton, they're waiting for the wind to come up, which is unusual. So what's the best thing I can say about the Toronto-Saskatchewan game? These were two teams looking for a win. One of them has a quarterback whom I lamented on behalf of Argo fans. Uh, When Willie was traded for, Fajardo had a great game. They traded, and the Argos traded their best defender, an all-star defender. And Fajardo became, you know, expendable. And I still, to this day, don't think that was a good trade made at that time. I don't know how you trade for a quarterback on the night that you have a quarterback playing for you that plays the way he did. He deserved a second chance. Well, this is a guy who's deserved not only a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, a fifth chance. Cody Fajardo, Fajardo, however you want to pronounce his name, pronounce his name is a quarterback who was a hard luck story back in Hamilton. Injuries caused him. In Toronto, it wasn't so much injuries. Uh, it was basically, you know, the Argos wanted a bigger name, so they went after Willie. Well, where's Willie now? And where's Cody Fajardo? He's wearing green and white. And he is, I, I think they're probably... Yeah, I heard a rumor he's going to end up being the premier of Saskatchewan or the mayor of Saskatchewan. Now, they love this guy, and and they should. Uh, I always felt that this was a starting quarterback in the making, and he has shown in Saskatchewan a team, um, you know, that has been berated for their offensive plan. You know, Hall has been attacked by the fans, and they don't think that he's a good offensive coordinator. Well, If you have a quarterback who remains upright, healthy, can move, and has an arm, I think we just found out what happens. All you need is a a decent game plan. Because, folks, what it comes down to all the time, it never fails, it's it's execution. If a player does not execute the plan, the plan looks horrible. Now, that's not to say that a plan can't be horrible and the player can't execute that plan. That's, That's a possibility, absolutely. But that's what talent, that's where talent matters. James Franklin was 20 of 28, 71.4%, 224 yards, one TD, two interceptions. Uh, his, numbers, his numbers are not bad, you know. Uh, but as I said to you before, <laughs> you can't throw interceptions. That's just not what you do. Doing that causes major problems. And this is one of those cases. Bethel Thompson came in through three for six, 50% for 26 yards. 
He wasn't that impressive either, but impressive enough to be getting this, the next opportunity to start in Game 3 for the Toronto Argonauts against the BC Lions. James Wilder had a better running game than he's had most of the last two years. He was 10 carries for 60 yards. Franklin was 4 for 34. So, you know, that's important. Uh, Cody Fajardo was 24 31, 77.4%, 430 yards, two TDs, no interceptions. William Powell ran for 77 yards on 15 carries. Marcus Thigpen, three runs for 10 yards. And Cody Fajardo, five for nine yards. The Argo offense, the Argo receivers did very little unable to really put in a position to catch balls. Darrell Walker, one for 56 yards. Armonte Edwards, four for 50 yards. James Wilder, four for 39 yards. And looking, I think one of, one of the key players right now in the Canadian Football League that I like a lot, that, that's a guy that helps the team win, uh, Shaquille Evans, five for 112 Outdone by Kyron Moore, four for 127 yards. Look at this, Naman Roosevelt, three for 51. But remember, these guys are being watched. These guys are being watched like a hawk. It is something that, you know, is is quite possible, and it, and it happens, and it can't be helped. They did a great job uh, against the Argos. Uh, the rain, um, I don't know. Bardo said... In his, in his interview, he said, uh, well, we were rolling really good. The rain was going to affect us. Well, also, that long wait could have also caused, you know, the Argos to think about how badly they were playing. And that's an issue. Uh, it might be getting in their heads. We heard their kicker, Zach Medeiros, talk about, you know, not letting it get to him and the team not letting it get to them, the team knowing they have the talent. Well, the message that came out of this game is this. Look out, Calgary. Last year, Saskatchewan handled Calgary pretty well. They did a great job against them. So this week, Arbuckle probably starting. Fajardo showing what he can do. It's going to be an interesting, a very, very interesting game next week. We'll get to those in a bit. So Saskatchewan and Saskatchewan fans have gone from, oh, my gosh, what's going on, to, oh, my gosh, we're doing well. We're going to be fine. And they will be fine. And they have uh, they have a team. And, and you know, in that game, uh, you know, I, I everybody, you guys know I have, you folks know that I have friends in Regina, and I, and I love going there, and I love being a part of it, talking to a Regina fan, even as an Argo reporter. And what I can say about this, the the attendance figures that people were talking about were weak at best. But we saw IG Field, and Mosaic Stadium host football games. And I think we saw two of the more passionate fan bases in the Canadian Football League right now. And that passion has to do with 
you know, history and, and wanting to be successful after being not so successful for a time. Throw Hamilton into that mix as well. We can't throw Ottawa into that mix because they've been, the only time they lacked success was their very first year. And from then on, it was great cups, wins, all that stuff. They have been a very consistent team. Ottawa was the team that sat out this week. They got the bye week this week. They looked good in their games. And I don't doubt that they're for real. So what these games showed us is that Edmonton and Winnipeg are for real. Calgary cannot be forgotten. Saskatchewan is up and coming. Toronto and Montreal need to do some work or they'll lose the playoff opportunity this year to a Western team. That's what these games showed us this week. I wonder what they showed you. You can always message me on Facebook and uh, we'll raise your comments here. When we come back, we are going to talk about the upcoming games. But first, we'll talk about some of the news out there, some of the concerning stuff that's been going on. Here's a song to celebrate Rider Victory. Yeah, so Rider Pride, there you go. Hit pause. Stop that song. Stop that song. It is celebrating the opposition. You cannot do that. It's just not acceptable. Hi, I'm a Rider fan. But not only am I a Rider fan, I'm the squirrel you see jumping around all the field. Now, some people have been very upset with my losing weight they think it's not healthy and they're wondering how i did it well how i did it was real simple i did exercise so for those of you that think that i did something silly something unwarranted you are wrong i did it in a healthy way i went from being a defensive lineman to a scat back Don't I look good? Don't you like the way I look? Does it really 
bother you that I lost a little weight? I don't think I'm the one that's gone squirrely. I think you people are making comments about me have gone squirrely. Thanks, Candid, for letting me say that. No, you're welcome, buddy. Anytime. It's all good. You know, I, I think you look good the way you do. I think the way you're looking right now. I, and I know that you worked really hard at it. Uh, when we first met a couple of years ago, I couldn't put my arms around you. Yeah, I remember those days. It was, it was awful. I, I, I felt self-conscious. Why would you feel self-conscious? I can't talk about it. Really? I mean, seriously. You did good. It's a good thing that you did. Honestly, I'm really proud of you. There's no sarcasm here. I'm not giving you any sarcasm. None at all. I'm really proud of what you've done. And there's nothing wrong with making changes that affect your health in a positive manner. So to put a cartoon character on the griddle because he lost some weight. Goodness. The only thing worse than that, folks, will be making fun of him because he gained weight. So thank you, Squirrely. Oh, wait, that's not your name? I'm going to call you that anyway. Squirrely? Oops, I think I offended him. Ah. Sometimes, sometimes I just don't know when to stop. Sometimes. All right, so let's talk about the upcoming games. And uh, as you all know, uh, it is now a, a big week. Because, you know, it seems like only a few weeks ago, uh, we were waiting for the season to start. We were waiting for the exhibition games to start. We went through the exhibition games. We're now in week four. And in game one, it's Hamilton and Montreal, reprise of the game in Hamilton, where Hamilton had, a, again, uh, a truculent, effective evening. Will they have that kind of evening this time against Hamilton? I should say Montreal. Do you know the bugs are out? I just had a, I don't know what it was that flew in my face, but it was big, fuzzy, and I think it's the old rider mascot. No, Montreal in this game has something to prove. They need to win a game, just like Toronto. And for them to do it, their defense has been outstanding. It really has. Their their defense has been the kind of thing that you look forward to every year when it comes to Montreal. They haven't been as effective since Noel left. but But still, their defense does do what needs to be done. And they're really going to need to do that against against Hamilton. How do we, how do we, I mean, how do we judge these two teams? What do we look at? What will a victory by Montreal look like? What will it take for them to win? Obviously, a quarterback that can hit his receivers and not throw interceptions. That is the key. Montreal has has done a great job. And when they show statistics, especially 
on CFL.ca. If, if I, I'm looking at statistics they're using as frames of reference for this game, and I'm looking at them, and I don't know what the heck I'm looking at because it doesn't look like it makes sense. So I'm not going to repeat what I'm seeing. Not at all. No way. Well, you've got Jeremiah Mazzoli, 924 yards of offense, passing, I suppose. Vernon Adams, Jr., 307 yards. Sean Thomas Erlington has run for 224 yards. William Stanback for 154 yards. Brandon Banks has been receiving 334 yards in his games. B.J. Cunningham, 189. Okay. So, for Montreal to win. Montreal proved that they could take the ball away from Hamilton. Will the offense that Hamilton provides be a little more careful and therefore not as devil-may-care, go-for-the-end-zone approach, which Hamilton has succeeded with, against Toronto in their first game and this very Montreal team in the second game. But I think Montreal has seen a little weakness that Hamilton has, is that they can pick off the quarterback. It's going to be interesting because in each of the game film rooms, they're both looking at that and saying to themselves, now he, mm, we got him a bit on the run. What do we do different to ensure he stays on, on the run? That being Montreal, the defense, thinking on what to do with Mazzoli. And on the other side, they're trying to, Hamilton's trying to figure out what they're going to do that's different, and can they fool Montreal and take away the takeaways? I don't think they will. I think this Montreal team on defense, their backfield is really good on defense. Um, the DBs are... are they got tired against Montreal. So the question is, will, will they you know, platoon a little bit? Montreal may need to send different guys in there, use more DBs than they would normally, just simply because of the tiring, taxing way the Hamilton offense puts the Montreal team on, on, on defense, if you will, physically defensive and needing to ensure – that their guys, health-wise, and it's not about, I don't think it's about conditioning. I, I really think it's about a game plan that exploits a team's weakness, and if they don't have enough defense to put up with the kind of offense that Hamilton can throw at them, then Montreal will be in trouble. But I have, I have a sneaking suspicion, a real sneaking suspicion, and just to make people a little crazy, and my Hamilton fans uh, even more crazy, I'm going to pick Montreal to win this game. How do you like them apples, folks? I think Montreal is going to win this game because the offense that Hamilton has displayed is too hard. Uh, I, I think it's too hard to keep doing because defenses rise to the challenge. That's what defenses are. Defenses, defensive players, defensive players. This is the kind of stuff that, that makes defensive players thrilled to go on the field. Oh, yeah, this is an offense that can destroy a team? 
I like that challenge. And the best defenders rise up to the challenge. And I think Montreal has enough really good defenders that they will rise up to the challenge. And they'll win this game. And, and will it be a high-scoring affair? I think this will be probably the, the lowest-scoring game for Hamilton and the highest-scoring game for Montreal. That's where this one will go as far as I'm concerned. And I'm, I'm getting like Montreal, but let's see. What should I say? You got a pen or a pencil, Frank? So you can write it down so, so you don't have to repeat it again later. I know what to do. It's a computer. Let's go to this thing. There it is. Okay, so. And then we should review what uh, Mike and I talked about last time. Um, okay, so I'm going to say Montreal over Hamilton. I'm typing it, by the way. And I'm going to say to the tune of 31 to 28. And as I said, it's going to be strictly because the Montreal defense, with the help of the offense, I think this team's ready to win. And I think Hamilton's, I don't think Hamilton's going to win their third in a row. I just don't think they're going to. Now, Brandon Banks has been awesome. Sean Thomas Erlington has been awesome. Now, Brandon Banks has been defended for years. He had that short little, after the two Grey Cup losses, all of a sudden Brandon Banks wasn't the guy that he was before those two Grey Cup losses. Um, you know, taking back that, that run back for a TD, I think hurt him very emotionally. And he has played with a lot of confidence. And I'm just waiting to see, and I, and I hope his confidence doesn't get taken away from him in any way. That's not what I'm getting at here. But I do think that there is other confidence in play here, and that is the defenders. This is just too big a marble to knock down. You know, this is just, this is the, this is the big bully you know, this is a, this is the awesome team. Hamilton in the East, quietly Ottawa in the wings, has been dominant, and people are talking about how dominant they are and how they will not be denied. And that doesn't mean losing this game means the season's over for them. It's just going to be, and and you have to admit, folks, every season has its ups and downs. Now. Just because you go 14 and four or 16 and two doesn't mean you win the Great Cup. We've seen that in recent memory. So what I'm looking for here is a Montreal team that figures out how to defend the run of the Hamilton Tiger Cats, figures how to poach a couple of passes from the quarterback, and finds a way to stifle Brandon Banks enough so that they win. So I said it, Montreal, 31-28 over Hamilton. When we come back, we'll have more CFL talk with Candid Frank. And let's salute the other great team this past weekend, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers.
gentlemen. That pounding sound you hear is a game clock. Look at your opponents, packing their water bottles, calling their girlfriends. You amass yourselves into a giant wrecking ball. You roll down that field over every single one of them. Reach down their throats and take this game. Because it isn't theirs, it's ours. little mic trouble. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers, they'll be playing their game in Ottawa. Now, this is another... Now, I'm going to start to look like I'm I'm ignoring the fact that the West is so strong and people are going to get all over me about this. I'm Really, I'm not anti-Western. It just I, I think these games are, are setting up themselves to be this kind of situation where Winnipeg goes into Ottawa, and Ottawa gets to establish their defense. And, and I think, and, and for Winnipeg fans, their offense has to be a little more prolific if they're going to win a great cup. There has to be a little more, uh, I mean, having saying that with Lucky Whitehead, having the kind of game he did last game sounds kind of stupid, but I'm I'm telling you um, their offense is not, I'm not saying it it's uh, weak, not at all. It's a very strong offense, but they're going to have to play some really good offense against some really good offensive teams that have a decent, in fact, a good defense. That's this Ottawa team. This Ottawa team has Vernon Adams has established that he can be a number one quarterback. The Ottawa Red Blacks have proven that they can move on from Trevor Harris. Their defense made Calgary look pretty offensively challenged. And in turn, Boldy by Mitchell. So the Winnipeg Blue Bombers better be ready for this game because I really think this is a game that Ottawa is going to win to the tune of 34 29. That's what I'm going to say. And I really think the reason is going to be that the Ottawa offense is for real. The Ottawa defense is for real. And this is a team that, you know, when you're in that locker room, and I've been in a couple of locker rooms, I've been in a couple of Grey Cup locker rooms, and, and what I'm going to say is this. The absence of individuals who suck a lot of air out of the locker room because of their importance and the big footprint that they leave, um, you know, in the locker room, on the field, emotionally, as far as the team's concerned, opens an opportunity for other players to show what they can do. Ottawa is, is to me, a perfect example of a team that has lost a lot of defenders, a lot of offensive players, their main quarterback, again, just as they did, you know, with the guy that's doing the, the commentary now on, on the CFL game on TSN. 
they rise to the challenge. And Ottawa, for whatever reason, like Calgary and like other teams that, let's be honest, that you look ahead and you say, well, that was a dynasty in the making. Too bad it didn't work out. But you look back and you go, how the heck did they do it again? Ottawa has been a team that has constantly changed, evolved, and found the players to play a system they like, but a system that caters to the players as well. You know, they are a team that always put their players in a position to succeed. You know, we talk about Calgary being the same thing. Look at Vernon Adams. Look at what he did offensively. You're a, if you're an Ottawa fan, honestly, folks, before he was under center, did any of you think that this guy could do what he did? Did any of you think that Ottawa was going to have that kind of offense? And how many of you were deeply concerned that Trevor Harris was leaving? I think you all know what the answers to those questions, and I think even people who aren't Ottawa Red Black fans know the answers to those questions. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers, on the other hand, are an established team who, yes, lost a, a few defenders, but they are a team that came into this season, or let me even go further back, that went out last year and during the off season, made some positive moves and had very few negative moves made by players leaving, by them not signing them, they looked like a team that, not that they stood pat, because that's not what they did, but they were the closest to doing that. And they didn't do it because they didn't want to make moves. Let's be honest, folks. Anybody looking on the outside of Winnipeg that can't see that this is a team that going into the offseason and then during the offseason before training camp made all the moves they needed to move to make, and they're moving, they're moving in, the, in the right direction. They've been moving in the right direction for a few years. They are a team, ironically, the two teams that need a Grey Cup more than any of the other teams in the Canadian Football League, Hamilton in the East, Winnipeg in the West, and that's what people are saying will be the matchup. But I think Ottawa's going to have something to say about it. I also happen to think that Saskatchewan's going to have something to say about it. So these two teams right now are playing, and they're meeting at a time when both of them have reasons to puff their chests out. So this is the second game in a row that Winnipeg will be playing against a team that is a favorite to win the Grey Cup as far as the way things have gone early in the season. So we're going to see how Winnipeg can play on the road because this time they're on the road. Last week they were at home. The running game that Ottawa puts together is a good one. They have a good running game. Anybody who has followed the Hamilton Tiger Cats over the past few years has, have seen incredible running backs come through their backfield. Moses Madu is one of them. He's been with Ottawa for the last three years, and he has done nothing but improve. But he's always been a guy that's been able to produce. And he's a guy whose moves are ones... I, I just love the way this guy moves, and, and I love the way he finds holes, seams, and... And ah, watching him kick return is a thing of over the years has been has been awesome. Been very impressed with him, and uh, 
he's going to need to have another good game. Andrew Harris wasn't impressive. The running game that he offered, the yardage that he churned, wasn't enough, wasn't spectacular. Dominique Davis, Vernon Adams, these are all quarterbacks that have been on the cusp. Well, Dominique Davis has shown us, with all his experience against some of the best quarterbacks in football and the best quarterbacks in the CFL, has taken the lessons necessary, including the guy that he'll be facing this week. So it'll be quite the challenge. And Winnipeg fans know who Dominique Davis is because they chanted his name on multiple occasions prior to Matt Nichols getting, you know, the kind of respect I think he deserves. And and he still doesn't get it to the level that he deserves. But it's because he's not a flashy quarterback. We talked about Lucky Whitehead. Is this guy going to do a repeat performance, former Dallas Cowboy? Does he have it in him to, to literally, literally break a few ankles? Well, everything I saw says he can do it again. And he's on a roll. And sometimes those kinds of rolls are hard to, you know, to stop. And I think he has the ability to be the key to this game. But now, again, I'm going to, let me see here. I'm going to, I'm going to go with with what many people will call the underdog. Ottawa's defense turns out a 34th, 29 victory over Winnipeg. How do you like them apples? Yikes. All right. I can hear you guys thinking weird stuff. Is this what you're thinking? Hello. in Toronto. The story, you're about. the story you're about to hear is the one about the BC Lions and the Toronto Argonauts. This is a game that has two teams that have not won yet. This is a game between two teams that have a lot to prove to their fan base. This is a game between two teams. And this is the important part, folks. This is a gate-driven league. And these are two teams that need to win to help promote the desire of local people to go out to their games. BC did everything right. In the offseason, they brought in Mike Riley. Mike Riley... He, of MOP fame, former BC Lion, went to Edmonton, is now back in British Columbia, close to home. The yards are coming. 
it's working for them. The numbers are good as they are each and every year. But last year, he's a quarterback who didn't make the playoffs. The kind of guy that, you know, teams fawn over, wish to have. And we talk about quarterbacks are what you need to win in the Canadian Football League. It has come out now that he is having some issues with his mind. And people, I'm sure, are far more aware of athletes being under stresses that affect your average people, normal average people. And we think of our athletes as invincible. Too easy to believe are invincible. But we know they're not. We know that athletes are human. So it's something that that needs to be of concern to many of us. When a great guy who has been, honestly, the, the face of the league, Mike Riley has been a man who's wore different hats in more ways than one. And now he's wearing a hat that's one of probably the biggest challenges that he's going to have to take on. Because it's not easy dealing with depression or or mental concerns. I know about that. I have experienced it. It's not something that, that, you know, Okay, a week tomorrow, you're not going to know why you don't want to get up. A week tomorrow, you don't know why you're having difficulty deciding whether you want to go out or not. A week tomorrow, you don't understand why you can't feel good. A week tomorrow, you're not warned that all of a sudden you'll find yourself in the dark wondering how you got there. But what you can hope for a week from tomorrow is that you find someone to talk to who can help you to explore and understand feelings you've never had before. Being a successful individual, having life go pretty well for you, is something that you assume. And sometimes what makes it worse is when things don't start going well, you start second-guessing yourself and believing the doubters, Believing the, negative, believing the negative people in life. And there are, I'm sorry to say, but it's true, there are some rotten people in the world who don't have a conscience and almost enjoy when people with mental issues surface. 
the old kick somebody while they're down thing, you know. So who can help a person? They're all out there. Simple phone call. We have uh, we have in Mississauga Peel Services. Then you have in Toronto you have the same thing Toronto Services. Whether you're in whether you're in Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, Saskatchewan, Ottawa, Montreal, Hamilton, there are local people that do real good work and are very helpful, considerate, and willing to listen. And they're only a phone call away. I suspect that Mike Riley made that phone call. I suspect that Mike Riley realized that he needed to talk to somebody. I suspect it because I don't know. But the fact is, even our most physically apparently emotionally strong people are affected by something like this. So I'm sure Mike's gone is getting the kind of help that he needs. You know, they they're this is something that's becoming more and more prevalent. Not prevalent more and more athletes are having difficulties in coming out. Of, it's about coming out with these emotional issues, mental issues, these challenges. More and more of them are coming out. They're always there. They're always dealing in the only way they knew how. But because of Mike Riley's bravery, someone else out there is going to be able to say, I need help. And needing help is really important. Getting help is a step away, a phone call. If you ever feel that you don't know what what you're going to do next, it's real easy. Pick up the phone. There are a lot of helplines out there everywhere. Talk to a friend someone you trust. Let them know you're not feeling right. Listen to what they have to say. If they seem to care about you and are giving you advice that leads to talking to someone else who is more um, educated and or prepared to talk about the subject, jump on it. Do whatever you have to do to survive. Survival is not easy. We live in a world, the Trump era. We live in the Trump era. And that is where saying mean and nasty things about people, being untruthful about people, denying people what's their right. We live in that world today where even the legal system turns their blind eye to people who manipulate the system. We're seeing it. So the challenges of being a human being today are really, really tough. It takes a lot, man. So all I can say to you about that is he has reminded me where I've been. I'll remind you of if you ever end up there. Many have been there before you. And the vast majority have survived. The problem with this issue is 
like everything else in life, bad news travels faster, wider, longer. Good news is not what people really want to hear. And that, my friends, is the underlying problem that we all have to deal with. And that is being good is okay. Being happy is a goal. Wanting everything you want right now is unrealistic. Sometimes the simplest and most basic needs that are filled are what keep you going. Just cutting the lawn, like I said to you today. It felt good to turn around and look at the lawn. Look at it, how nice it was. It was like 18 inches, almost two feet of grass. Now look at it, manicure it. I got to use an electric mower after so long. Used to use one at home all the time when I was a kid. So, Mike Riley, congratulations on seeing who you are and trying to work out and understand how easy it is to be in a position where you don't feel like you have control and or positive stuff can happen for you. Congratulations about that, my friend. You deserve it. Now, the game. Assuming, assuming that Mike Riley's in a good space, good mental space, assuming that, is it possible and can we assume that Mike Riley's game can be a part of his resurrection emotionally, mentally? Absolutely. You know, sometimes when you the burden of not knowing what's wrong is lifted, it leaves you with the opportunity to show how gifted you are. Bad lifted, you end up gifted. Now, BC, aside from that interesting issue and one that we should pay attention to and, and respect and, and, and share, We've got two teams that are not looking very good. With BC, they're a team last year that showed the rest of the league that they had the ability to go on a run. There's like nine of the last ten games they won, something to that effect. And they were full value for it. it wasn't, you know, it wasn't they weren't flukes. This was a defense that carried the offense. Considering how difficult the offense had with Jonathan Jennings, and then you know, injuries do tend, you know, Travis Lule. This team now has a healthy quarterback. The hope is that that success they had last year with the help of Mike Riley will transcend them into a championship opportunity. And don't ever doubt that it's possible. So CFL.ca here has James Franklin and his statistics. Well, we know that he won't be starting this week. It'll be Bethel Thompson for the Argos, who last year took over again, deja vu all over again, took over from James Franklin last year. And I think it was week four too, but they played three games, I think. 
And why is that? Why is it that James Franklin can't make it work? I think it's, in my opinion, and 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 I love making silly, silly assumptions. I love making silly assumptions. I, I'm not sure that James Franklin likes the spotlight. I'm not sure that he likes it. I'll give you an example. It's not a personal thing. This is just a an insight that I that that I'll share with you. If the wall is not behind James Franklin, he's going to keep backing away from the microphones. James needs to to gain some confidence and and stand firm, stand his ground. He hasn't been able to do that as an Argo quarterback. He did it in Edmonton, and the best I can figure what it might be is that in Edmonton he wasn't challenged. His success came to him strictly on his ability, and he tore the Toronto Argonauts to shreds. And you know the funny thing is? This guy has nothing. This guy has every reason to stand firm and look you in the eye and say, I'm going to kick your butt. But some suggest that maybe it's his shyness and his, you know, his willingness to, to give other people the, you know, the front page, if you will, the floor. Well, he, the floor now belongs to Bethel Thompson. Bethel has lost a, uh, a fair bit of weight over the offseason. He looks very trim. The system that the Argos are applying is more suited to a, a quarterback that can move, that's mobile. Might be why Bethel Thompson lost a little bit of weight. Can he win games? He won a big one last year. His first game, they came from behind. Gee, I wonder what team it was against. So we'll get to see what Bethel Thompson can do. So we have two quarterbacks, Mike Riley, Bethel Thompson. These are two quarterbacks that haven't found their mojo yet. Bethel not getting his chance. Riley playing his two games and losing both. Again, against a couple of pretty good teams. James Wilder for the Argonauts has run a little better, ran a little better in the last game, better than he has over the past year and change. He has not been as an effective running back. He has, for whatever reason, uh, his first year, he couldn't be taken down. His next year, yes, he could. And that's essentially what it comes down to. If James Wilder can power through players, He's going to run, and he's going to scare the defense a little bit into giving the offensive threats that are downfield, the receivers, an opportunity to catch the ball. That's what he's going to have to do. John White, no different. He needs to have an effective running game. And that, again, will help guys like Brian Burnham, who has been effective through early in this season. He has been the Brian Burnham that we all Expect, you know, Deron Carter is in the lineup. Will he bust out in this game? I mean, this is a team that didn't really give him a kind of chance that he deserved, I don't think. It was as if he was brought in and then 
he was just brought in to sit and, and look and prove that he was emotionally ready to handle the kind of stuff. That's what it looked like. We'll see. We'll find out, won't we? It'll be very interesting. Defensively, both these teams should be better defensively. Can they be better defensively? Well, you know, Corey Chamberlain came to the Toronto Argonauts after winning a Grey Cup the year, two years before, and came in, and I know firsthand, I could see by the reaction of the players, he was well-liked by the players, respected. And then some people have brought in the fact that, well, as a head coach, his last stop was Saskatchewan. wasn't a great showing on his part. I don't think there's any any doubt that's a possibility that, you know, his lack of success as a coach may be repeated. But we don't know that yet. The game's got to start. The game's got to be played. And then on the other side, we've got a new head coach who has never been a head coach and is learning. And a lot of young, young coaches with no experience in BC. It's a big thing in BC. Their coaching staff is not a very experienced coaching staff. There are a lot of guys being given their first opportunity to be head coaches. Now, can coaches improve over the short term? Or do they do they need more time? This is this is the question that's going to come up with BC. You know, they have a lot of, not only is the head coach inexperienced, they have a lot of assistant coaches that aren't experienced. A lot of guys being given opportunities who's never coached. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, um, what kind of, you know, you look at Devon Claybrooks. This is a well-respected player, coach and now head coach. So who does he have under him? Rich Stubler, Jarius Jackson, Taylor Otilo, Marcus Howell, Brian Chu, Drew Tate, Nick Lewis, Ryan Phillips, Keith Stokes, Chris Ellis. Half those coaches have never coached professional football. So it's going to take BC a little time. So for those of you that lose your patience with BC, you may be losing it a little too soon. The question is, can the coaching staff, this is going to be a victory that will be by the coaching staffs. I'm serious. This, this is a game that will be won depending on which coaching staff is more prepared for the victory. For victory. Um, I just don't think the experienced players that they have have had the opportunity to succeed. So if we're going to see BC win, it's going to be because they play the kind of offense 
that an experienced offensive coordinator, which they have, can put together. Without a good offensive plan, Mike Riley, any quarterback, will not win. Mike Riley needs a good game plan, and he needs a team around him to be ready to win. On the Toronto side of the ledger, their problem is the opposite. It's all about their defense. What happens the first time that they kick off? What's the next thing that happens? How far does the ball come back? That's going to tell us whether the Argos can win. The bend-not-break defense is necessary for the Argos to win. An offense that does a good job is what is going to lead to BC winning. So it's going to be a battle between the BC offense and the Argo defense. I think the other two parts of the game are going to cancel each other out. Now, there is a wild card. And that wild card plays for the Toronto Argonauts. He has been an Argo destroyer over the years and someone that has done a dance in the Argo end zone. And I got to tell you, it's going to be interesting. It really is. The Argonauts have an opportunity here to straighten out their season or at least get a victory Stay in the hunt. It's something that for them to do it, it's going to have to be, really is going to have to be an effort defensively that gives the offense a chance to win. They have not, you know, the Argos missed Terrell Sutton. He's the guy that, as far as I'm concerned, the running back that they need, to make the game theirs. Pound the defense. But the, the the wild card in this game is going to be Chris Rainey. I really think that he's going to be the guy that could change this game on his own. He really could be the one that changed this game on his own. So, as always happens... change sites. I'm going to call BC on this one. Toronto. 36. 31. Over BC. Wow. Should you be surprised? Um... No, you shouldn't be surprised. And I really think the reason the Argos are going to win this game is because it's at home. Honestly, that's the biggest advantage the Argos have. BC does not play well in the, on the East Coast. That's a simple fact. It's the truth. It's not something that uh, BC does well, winning in the East. Mind you, though, they beat Toronto last year in the East during the regular season. It's the playoffs that BC has trouble with. So talking about 
BC not winning and Toronto winning, it's all dependent, as I said, Argo offense. take a back seat to the Argo defense if the Argos win. The Argos defense has to stop BC and Mike Riley for them to win. When we come back, we'll take you down the road of some issues that have come up in the Canadian Football League. I'm James Wilder Jr. You're listening to Candid Frank Lodge. I'm Tyler Holmes. You're listening to Candid Frank Live. Um, as you'll see from my from my talks on stage, I've had a lot of experience with it, um, both being the victim, the bullier, and uh, and being the bystander as well. So it's affected my life in a big way, and um, I like to take every opportunity I can to get out and try and raise awareness for it and prevent others from going through the same stuff I had to go through. It's been very therapeutic for me, coming out and, um, you know, just opening up, letting everybody know what I've been through. It's been very good for me, and also knowing that, that after some of the talks, when we sit around and we get to talk to some of the kids and hear their stories, and, um, and when we're able to put them in touch with the right resources and help them through their problems, um, it's, I mean, it, you can't explain the, the satisfaction you get from doing things like that. Stand up and say, hey guys, that's enough. You're going to change a lot of people's lives and you won't even know it. So, thanks guys. When I smile and I'm off the field, people aren't afraid. But when I smile and I'm on the field, I think it puts some fear in their heart. Some of them are sexist, like the one, the one, <laughs> the one with the tie cats. Well, you can take it as sexist. For those of you that automatically assume that the the person serving the drinks or serving the food 
the hot person serving it. They don't refer to a woman. So if you're a person who jumps at sexism, you'll automatically assume it's referring to a woman because of your sexist leanings. There's no reference to a man or a woman. <coughs> Just a reference to someone being hot. And if that's bad, then it is what it is. So anyway, so a few of the things that are going on uh, today in the Canadian Football League, we've watched uh, as the CFLPA <coughs> has decided to, well, use the bargained trigger to fight a suspension. We've heard some there's there's been a couple of people who for example on TSN on the game broadcast where we've heard, you know, essentially the cat calls that suggest that this is a move that the CFLPA shouldn't make. Do I agree or disagree? I think it's part of and here's the important part, folks. See, athletic unions, NHL union, CFL union, they look after the person who's losing a job. But that's based on the assumption that the person who's hurt can and will be taken care of by the league and or the systems that are in place. Here is the problem. I can go on for hours and make this a, a long debate, but for me it comes down to very simply this. The CFLPA can't guarantee the health of a player who's been injured. They promoted that idea and suggested that idea and have gone to every province saying just that, that our players need protection. Their workers and their injuries after a year are ignored. So they're taken care of for a year. So what, is this, what does this say to me? The CFLPA needs to be careful here because the injuries that are sustained, like the ones that concussions become, are protracted. They extend. They're long. And many of them last more than a year. So the CFLPA, I have to say to you guys, and I love the CFLPA, I love the leadership in the CFLPA, but the fact remains, you not stopping injuries the most you can, because remember, you're like the person who can only afford a regular car. Your athletes do not get the kind of care that they deserve. Yeah, I said that. They don't get the kind of care they deserve. But the reason they don't get it is because they're athletes. And many of them are not Canadian. Sounds discriminatory, but our healthcare system is built for Canadians. So creating injuries that are long-term, and by long-term I mean be, extend beyond a year, you're basically saying to your injured party, to your injured party that after a year we know we can't take care of you but we got to protect the guy who hit you we got to protect the guy who hurt you 
the CFLPA does not have the same kind of protections for their players that the NHLPA has, the NFLPA has, and the NBAPA has. They have a lot of money to spend in a lot of ways in all those other leagues. The Canadian Football League has to behave in survival mode, in self-sufficiency, and really respecting the reality that their players are not taken care of health-wise after a year. Now, are, is head trauma treated differently by our healthcare system in Canada? That's a question. Or should we stop plays that injure people? Because even if they're taken care of and their health, even if they had 5, 10, 15, 20 years of help from the healthcare system, can a player or a person who has been traumatized due to a blow to their head can they recover with the help of the healthcare system? The jury's still out on that. How they end up, you know, with CTE, which is basically evidence of head trauma. They don't know where it comes from. They're not there's no there's no direct line. Football players, hockey players, fights, headshots. There's no direct line that can be pointed in that direction but here's what I know if someone's getting hurt unnecessarily in a way they shouldn't be hurt it should stop it should end there should not be a case where a player can say oops I didn't mean to do that while an opponent's being carted off the field on a stretcher or wobble-kneed and then out for weeks at a time and maybe even a season. That hit wasn't necessary, and it's not part of the game. Simone Lawrence's hit was not necessary. Caleros had already committed to going down. Two players went at him. One stopped. The other simultaneously continued on. I'm Candid Frank. This has been Candid Frank Live. CFL Talk. I'm quitting earlier just to spite you. Have a great one, everyone. Until next time.